Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all enjoyed last week's episode when we had Joe come down, the ENT surgeon. This week, we've got another super special guest. We have with us today, Dr. Jana Denzel, who's a dentist living and working in the UK. But before he did dentistry, he had um, a degree in biology with psychology. He's got a super keen interest in studying both the body and mind and how both connect. And he applies it to dentistry on a day-to-day basis. But not only is he a dentist, he's also a YouTuber. You can find him on YouTube called Dr. Denzel, where he makes videos about dentistry and health. And a super cool thing he does is he's also founded a clothing brand called Adolescent Junkies, but it donates all his profits to the Climate Reality Project. So thank you for coming down, um, Jana. Introduce yourself and let's take it from there. Wow, thank you so much for such a great introduction there. <laughs> very, very humble to be no, right. <laughs> uh, on your amazing podcast. So uh, yeah, I think that sums me up really today anyway. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, dentist working in the UK, no just on my first year here. So yeah, excited mm-hmm. to see what UK dentistry really has in store for me. Perfect, sounds good. So what we like to do is we like to give our listeners a journey of how life was for you up into present day so we're going to go all the way back so tell us a bit about how you grew up what circumstances kind of led you to you being a dentist working in the uk in present day wow okay so it's pretty pretty long story my journey with dentistry um i think the first mm-hmm. one to probably do is talk a bit about my parents um because they've had a very, very long it. journey and i wouldn't be where i am today if it wasn't for them at all So um, I think quite a lot of people already know that both my parents are refugees. They come from a little island of the northern coast of Sri Lanka called Pungadivu. And they were both different in terms of socioeconomical class. Uh, My mother was actually born and raised in a mud hut. It wasn't wasn't a house made of bricks or anything like that. She had a very big family as well, two sisters and five brothers. My father, he was born in a slightly wealthier family and he had three sisters and three brothers. So... See, my dad's dad, he had a few grocery shops in Sri Lanka and my father being the oldest son, his duty was to mm-hmm. to make sure he runs the shop. That was his role. And he didn't go to university or anything and that's what he dedicated himself to. And they were doing pretty well uh, until the war started between the Sinhalese government and the Tamils. So uh, when my dad was running his shops, you know, when this war happened, the Sinhalese mobs, they attacked, burned, looted all of the Tamil-owned businesses and they killed Tamils in the process. So everything my dad had from shops to vehicles and everything was kind of burnt down to the ground. Luckily, he wasn't hurt or Mm. anything like that. Oh, wow. But it wasn't the case for many other Tamil businesses where, you know, a lot of Tamil people were killed. How old were you when all of this happened? So so this is obviously, I I wasn't born at this stage yet. So I was born in London here. This all happened in Sri Lanka. So um, Mm -hmm. after all of this happened, Mm -hmm. uh, my, my dad knew it wasn't safe for him to be there. So, you know, he seeked asylum and, and moved down to London. And a similar kind of thing happened with my mother as well, mm. getting caught up in the, the civil war and the crossfire. There were bombings, people were dying. And, you know, luckily she mm-hmm. had an older brother uh, that was able to help her come to London. And uh, both of them came to London. Um, they didn't have an opportunity to go to university or higher education or anything because they were forced to kind of flee their homes, start in a strange new place. Yeah. They didn't speak English, they didn't know the culture. Mm-hmm started from scratch but you know it's uh it's where my my journey happened it started in london i have one older brother 
and it was me and we kind of all started off in I'm not sure if you guys know Wembley Alperton in London yeah mm-hmm. North, North London I yeah. guess isn't yeah, it yeah in North West London so yeah we kind of uh, we, we were all staying me my older brother and my parents in just one room in this kind of refugee house where there were the other rooms were like you know just packed full of like six seven different wow. guys sleeping in one room sleeping on the floor sleeping on the bed and uh, we kind of grew up there and like you know now looking back at it it's crazy to have that many people living in a house and stuff but when you're a little kid and when you're growing up, you just think, oh, wow, so many people. They can... You don't know any better. Yeah. It's great, you know. Mm. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I feel the same now, but <laughs> it was, as a kid, I loved it, you know. So um, yeah. that's kind of no. my parents' background, where I was born, how I started. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, uh, like, you know, my parents, so... well, yeah, the parents didn't have professional jobs or anything. They just both worked really, really hard, multiple jobs at once yeah. to kind of get me and and my family wow. into the position we are today so jana having kind of grown up in a in a household where both your parents were refugees from sri lanka and you mentioned there was a lot of you in one household how was schooling for you how was kind of growing up school teenage years college how was that experience for you right well growing up it was you know both my parents worked extremely hard they worked in a lot of different odd jobs my dad worked in petrol stations uh, royal mail anything and anywhere people give him a job or a chance he took it you know and uh, my mum also worked um, mm. she's been working in Sainsbury's for as, as long as I can remember and both of them work so hard to provide for mm. us they work up to like 16 hours a day and with that time they were all gone I kind of had a lot of time to myself and being completely honest with you, you know I kind of spent most of that time just uh, on on the streets on road hanging out with people uh, on the roadside and, you know I would during my early teenage years, kind of get myself into a lot of trouble mm. because of doing so. And mm. uh, during my teenage mm. years, I kind of really pushed my my parents' patience a lot, you see, because I've always been a good kid, but I kind of always kind of looked up to maybe you'd say the wrong people because, you know, when you're young, you think it's yeah cool to be doing all of that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my, my teenage years wasn't the best of my years for sure. Yeah, I think... We touched on that on episode me and Ams. It's especially when you're growing up in those environments, like it's very difficult to find good role models. Yeah. And the role models you do find that are, let's say, that have the money, the fancy cars, the fancy clothes, and kind of live that lifestyle that you want or aspire to be. It's yeah. let's be honest, not the the doctors or the bankers, lawyers. Is these people that are probably not doing the the most legitimate type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I do kind of resonate with that and I'm sure lots of people would resonate. It's very difficult in certain environments to find good role models. Um, but yeah, so tell us a bit more how life kind of went after, you know, you've had this phase where, you know, you didn't have the best of role models. You probably were, you know, getting up to bits and bobs here and there. What, yeah. what, at what point did dentist come in or was dentistry a bit further down the line? Kind of take us from there. So dentistry was, so I think since the age of 15, I I went on a trip mm. to Canada and I, my uncle there is a very successful dentist and I saw how he's living and I saw the job he was doing yeah. and I fell in love with it. And I was like, you know, since 15, it's, it's great to be able to know, mm. find your why and your passion at such a young age. And uh, I knew exactly what oh, I wanted yeah. to do and I always wanted to be a dentist from then. But like I said, and you know, you hit the nail on the head when I was talking about the role models I had when I was mm. younger and why I was hanging around in that kind of environment. It's not really until like you know the dust settles, mm. you really start to see clearly of 
what's really cool True. you know what cool is you know people dedicate their life to serving the community mm. for a great cause guys like yourself mm. doing an amazing podcast doing something for the greater good and these are the type of people that i should have been looking mm. up to for inspiration mm. but when i was younger i was naive mm-hmm. and you know thought all that stuff was so glamorized and so cool and um i got caught up on it mm. i got caught up on it a lot and I, I pushed my my parents' patience, and you know, I've got a younger brother and a younger sister as well. So, long story short, I think mm. you know, when I was about nineteen, my parents got fed up with me. They were like, "You know, what? pack your bags. Uh, you we, you yep. can't do this oh, in this wow. house no more." And they said to me, "You're gonna go live with your auntie." So, uh, you know, I'm kind of like a true fresh Prince of Bel Air style. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got, kind of got all my bags. They 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 sent me to go live with my auntie. And uh, my auntie and my uncle mm. were very, very strict. They kind of ran me on a tight schedule. Get up at this time, lunch at this time, dinner at this time. You're working on this table from this time to this time. You don't move. You only take your bathroom break. Oh, wow. And then, and you know, I, I, I you know, I think the world of them because you know, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be in this situation position I am mm. today. So um, yeah. What what was that? Tra- what was that transition like? Going from I presume. Um, at first there was sort of less structure and then suddenly you've got a very structured life of waking, studying, doing certain chores and tasks. What was was it a shock to the system? It was it was a huge shock to the system, but you know it's when you've been given a second chance in life to break away from all your bad habits and a path that could have got you down a place where you spend a, like you know a long time in jail or you know or whatnot and you're given an opportunity to sit down and make something of yourself you have nothing but gratitude so when I was there you know obviously I was still young at the time but looking back at it now I always tell my auntie of how much I appreciate that she took me in and looked after me and adjusting to that timetable was hard but when you you've been given an opportunity for like that you just wake up you thank God every day that he's given you a second chance in life you, you practice gratitude and um, you focus on your goals. And after then is when I really started to narrow down, know what I wanted to do in life, how I was going to do it. And I kind of set up my, my vision board of what I wanted to be, how I'm going to get there. And it just kind of carried on from there. Hmm. So having gone and staying at your aunties, kind of having a bit more structure, kind of making the most of this second opportunity what happened next? Um, I think you mentioned was that you didn't get into dentistry the first time round, or you studied something else before going into dentistry. Kind of tell us what happened during <laughs> that moment um, so, or phase in your life. Yeah, sure. So my my journey to dentistry has always been a very very long long road. Um, you know, I was doing work experience yeah. when I was fifteen. I was working in multiple dental clinics, orthodontic clinics, um, mm. work experience abroad. I worked in even in the RAF. I took work experience as a uh, with the dentist there and this was you know when I was like 15 16 17 so at a young age I knew I wanted to do knew I was going to explore the field and um I was very set on yeah. it and when I was doing my A-levels I got all my offers but uh I didn't have my head screwed yeah. on properly I was in a I was in a relationship with a girl from London she was kind of like my high school sweetheart hmm. and when you're young and you, know, you think you're <laughs> in love you get infected and sometimes you make you make bad decisions you know <laughs> so I got my offers and I felt short of meeting my London ones by just one grade but Manchester were happy to accept me. But because, you know, I was in mm, a mm. in London, in my relationship with my family, I was like, no, 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 you know what? Mm. I'm going to reapply. I'm going to get to London. I don't need to come out my bubble, which I, I should have done. 
So I declined my Manchester offer and I reapplied mm, to universities. And when you do, when you reapply, when you take a gap year as a guy okay. with medics, you need to have all A's. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yep. yep. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I ended up getting three A's and a B. So uh, again, oh, I kind of mm. fell short. And uh, it was Bart's and the London that was I was always holding as my, my, my first choice offer. So even you know when I first applied to them, mm. short, took a gap year, I was short again. I kind of you know, pleaded with them. I was like, went up to see the admissions officer. I was like, listen, I even had an offer from Manchester, but I declined it because I want to go here. Like, you know, I'm so determined yeah. to here. So I, you had your heart set on London, essentially. Yeah, had my heart set on London. I really, really wanted to do it. And then they were like, no, do, come do a BSc here. After your BSc, you reapply mm. and we'll see how it goes. Did it, took the BSc. I wanted to do something mm. different from, I think everyone kind of does like, you know, biomed and stuff. And I was, wasn't really interested in it. I did biology and psychology yeah. at that level. I scored really, oh, I really high A's for them. And I was like, you know what? This is something I'm good at. I love to do. Mm. Let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's see where it takes me. Unfortunately, after I did my BSc, it didn't work out. And uh, after I took a year out, I decided to work in Central uh, as a recruitment consultant. Um, I did that because, you know, it was it was a way for me to kind of just uh, work on my business skills, work on working with people, uh, yeah. and I did that for a year. But I always in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be a dentist. I just kind of had to figure out my next career path in terms of how I was going to get there. So uh, that's where yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, becoming studying abroad came into uh, the the picture. Uh, however, the the story behind this was. I got my offer in Valencia because, you know, when when you apply to go abroad and you're sitting on three A's and a B, most places will accept you. And uh, I got my offer there, but obviously it's a private university and they have large fees. So even though I worked for a year and I was working part time, it's not nearly enough money uh, to pay for your tuition fees to come around abroad. And obviously I don't come from a rich family, uh, as I said. Uh, the only mm-hmm. reason we have four kids is because my mom really, really wanted a girl. So she kept trying, my, my brother, me, my younger brother. And finally, <laughs> yeah. So um, then my, my my father, he decided to reach out to his brothers and sisters. And he was like, you know, hey, my son really stuck on dentistry. He, he's never given up since he was 15. He's been trying for so long. Mm. He's not going to change his mind. I told him, you know, there's so many things you can do. Why do you want to be stuck on a dentist? I was like, you know, dad, this is what I want to do. It's my passion. It's what I want to do. And uh, he decided to go and ask his brothers and sisters, you know, for help to raise a little bit of money to send me abroad. And everybody shut him down. Mm. They were like, are you kidding me? You're wasting your money. You know what he was like when he was a teenager. Are you really that stupid to send him abroad and waste all your money on him? Like, you know, you've got two younger children that need your help, that need your financial support. You can't be that stupid to give up everything and give it all to your son. And... I can't blame them for so it. So how did you feel, like, kind of hearing all of this? Yeah, well, this is my uncles and my aunties, you know? So these are people that yeah. I grew up mm-hmm. with as my, like, second parents. And to hear them say it, it was heartbreaking. It was really, really difficult for me to hear it. But I couldn't... How can I go against what they say when I did have, you know, a troubled youth? I didn't have a bit of a history, but I had changed, you know? I changed. I was, I was set. I was determined. I was like mm-hmm. my dad. Like, you know, it's difficult for my dad as well because my dad, he hasn't got any money. He works 16 hours a day to meet and to meet, make ends meet, you know. And uh, there's one evening mm-hmm. I sat down and I said to him, I was like, Dad, I know what everyone is saying about me, but if you give me this chance, if you can make it some way, I promise you I will become a dentist and I'll prove everyone wrong. 
and it was difficult for my dad because no one supported him or anything so he had to remortgage mm-hmm. the house um up oh wow. wow and uh, at the same time you know i had a job as well and i just told my mm-hmm. dad like you know believe in me i'll 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 make sure i'll make you proud and uh Obviously, yeah. after he sent me off to Rome. he he'll be more than proud. Right, I'm sure he's right proud now, now he's he's probably thinking, "Damn, I've, I've made the best decision ever." I mean, that kind of support is is golden, isn't it? You can't ever buy that level of support. Oh, no. um, that's so amazing to hear. I'm I'm genuinely just so just so inspired by your father's decision. Yeah. Um, to support you like that, it's just it's just beyond means. Me too. Wow. Me too. As in, it's. Uh... It's amazing. I wouldn't be here without my dad, you know. I would have been a, down a very bad path. I, would, you know, put my hands mm. up and I say that if it wasn't for my yeah. my dad and my my older brother, and my, my you know, yeah. my my immediate family, and if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't I would I wouldn't be here where I am. So you know, I'm very grateful for mm. the life I have. You know, for my auntie for mm, taking awesome. me in. Everyone has kind of helped me on my journey here, and um, you know, journey. it's it's been a long road. And when I was in Valencia, I always kind of had a part time job. Um, yeah. I worked in a retail store called Abercrombie and Fitch here. So uh, they've got multiple yeah. okay, yeah. retail store and uh, they've got multiple stores yeah. across the world. So they transferred me to the Valencia store when I was there. I worked in retail there. But mm-hmm. then after, you know, they won't pay you that much money. So I worked in a restaurant, you know, cleaning toilets, um, chefing up, oh, wow. working in bars. And my dad would come down in summer. My dad would love it. The fact that I was working, mm. he didn't like the fancy jobs. I, <laughs> I told him I'm in the, in the restaurant scrubbing toilets. He was like, "Yes, Just grinding." Yeah. yeah, he wanted me to grind. Doesn't care how much the money you're getting paid. I want you to be doing that every night. Yeah, and you know, because it's what he had to do to to become where yeah. he was today. So to know it's him. that mindset, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like regardless of what job it is, it's 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 there's a certain mindset and a certain ethos which clearly you had. It's regardless of what you're doing however you're doing it you just have to constantly be hustling constantly be moving constantly developing and improving yourself um i want of to kind course. of say how was dentistry in valencia because obviously you had an opportunity to study dentistry in the uk you kind of gave that offer up because you want to stay in london then you had to move to a country altogether abroad you know was the anxiety did you feel that the level of education you were there is the same and equivalent to the education over here. How was that? How were you kind of right, your so, experience with well, regards to that? Yeah, initially moving abroad, it was difficult. Like, you know, I still remember the the day my mum kind of sent me off at the train station. She started crying because you know it was it was a big move to move abroad. Mm. You, know, you know, anyone that does of it course. takes yeah, a lot. Man. So you know, salute to them. It's it's a big decision to make. And mm. um, when I took it initially, you know. It was okay. I already had a BSc, so the first two years were quite easy for me. Um, kind of just go through like you know biomedical yeah. sciences and stuff. Uh, however, halfway through my yeah. course, um, <laughs> it's kind of crazy for me to tell you this, guys. So we were studying in English at the start, and they were like, "Oh, by the way, guys, mm-hmm. the final few years are going to be all in Spanish." Oh my god, <laughs> and, uh, that must have come as a shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came as a shock. And now you can move. It was in Berlin, so you can move to the campus they have in Madrid. And that will be taught yeah. in English, but that's going to be a high tuition fee. Oh, wow. Or you can move to a different university, but that's the high tuition fee. And already, wow. my pockets <laughs> are yeah. square. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I kind of went to a summer school. I kind of stayed there learning as much Spanish as I could. And yeah. um, the final few years when you were learning 
it's, it's not just a new language you're studying dentistry mm. in a whole different language so yeah. it's 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 very difficult i found it very difficult but you know i, I put my all into it and uh the final few years when you've seen patients you know valencia is a place where not many people speak english but you know you're yeah. given a wide range of different patients uh who come and see you and treat you so you know the learning skills i got there were great um it's a lovely city as well you know you got you got the weather you got the sun you got the beach mm. it's a great yeah. place to, to go it's a great place yeah you know it's something i recommend to anyone kind of listening if you are thinking of, of going abroad uh definitely mm. valencia is a great option to have yeah on on that note um so we have a lot of medics and a lot of dentists in particular who i think at one point sort of reach a point where they ask oh um how can how can i go abroad so when it comes to considering going abroad for medical school or dentistry what are what are the what are the stages that you go through what what how what's the process of applying to a school abroad right so the process is war so initially uh initially for me abroad wasn't an option because of the of the fees that they charged but yeah. as soon as i finished my bsc uh this new dental school kind of uh came up about and it had slightly lower tuition fees so mm-hmm. my friends you they obviously they have their websites all over google you can just type in you know studying abroad to whatever country or city you want to go into and you can go out and you can check out an open day they have and when you go down in the open day um they kind of explain to you what the fees are what the timetable is like what's going to become expected mm. of you and what you get at the end of it there's also all of these agencies as well that help mm-hmm. you through that transitional um period from when you're in the UK to go to Valencia um it's quite mm. expensive so you know you can do it without these agency fees but if you have the money and you want to have a smooth process then definitely go for them they'll help you get like you know accommodated enrolled and signed up to the mm-hmm. university so uh, the first year yeah. my friends went to this university they said great so i worked then obviously with my dad who saved up enough money for me to send me down mm-hmm. so anyone who is planning to go abroad it's great because you know after i finished my degree i did my my dft and my sjt test the same as everyone else does in the uk and mm-hmm. uh i i performed really high in it i got the highest in the country and i got oh, my wow. first choice wow. choice my first choice thank you my first choice when i came back to the uk so now i'm on the yeah. same leveling uh, same field as anyone who kind of graduated from kings or queen marys we're all in the same place so i know there's so, a lot yeah. of negative connotation around board but at the end of the day when you're finished when you take your exam you're faced with exactly the same opportunities as saying that though when you are placed and ranked in your dft and sjt they do give priority to uk students however that just means you've got to work twice as hard <laughs> that's it yeah <laughs> nah yeah so that, that that's the real good thing about medicine and dentistry i find is that it's almost like one global unit especially when you come back to the uk because whether you're a final year at let's say oxford cambridge swansea kings scotland wherever um i think once you've done yeah. the sjt and the final exams it's one pool that that you're all competing in um so th- that's that's pretty awesome and you smashed it mate <laughs> congratulations you smashed yeah. it thank you very much guys thank you yeah did you feel um cuz i know from a medical point of view like a lot of people that study abroad for medicine when they do come back they feel a bit hesitant they feel their skills aren't up to scratch cuz different as you can imagine different universities teach in different ways um and 
it used to be a thing where universities outside the UK, they weren't very keen on communication skills and certain skills like that. And they were very book heavy, like knowledge based. Whereas in the UK, they teach you a lot about communicating with patients and kind of addressing their, their needs and concerns. Did you experience that as, you know, I might not be fit enough to be a good dentist working back in the UK? How was that for you? Yeah, as in, well, with that, I think with a normal student, if you just come out of high school and you go to Valencia to study dentistry and you come back, yeah, you are going to be faced with challenges because they don't really teach you communication with patients or, you know, yeah. how to handle yourself. And I saw a lot of people in my in my class who just didn't know how to speak to patients and stuff. So it is difficult. Yeah. Um, mm. And you do need to kind of practice and they do need to kind of include that in the curriculum or people need to run some courses on patient communication, especially mm. dealing with patients who have anxiety when it comes to the doctors or the dentist. It's a, it's a huge topic. Um, thankfully for me, because I did a BSc in biology and psychology, we went through quite mm. a lot. Yeah. And as I worked in a year mm. in the city, I was meeting clients and, you know, oh, wow. people left, right and center. So when I came into the practice, the only difficulty I had was all of the dentistry I knew was in Spanish. So <laughs> <laughs> Fair it was, enough. Uh, yeah, it was very difficult for me to learn these new guidelines that we didn't have in Spain and just yeah. kind of translate everything I learned in Spain, in Spanish, back to English. Mm. And it took me a good few months to be able to do that. But then after, it, it, was, it was a lot better. Hmm. So tell us a bit more about this, this keen interest and about, you know, faith, the body, the mind, what it means to you and how you developed an interest um, and a passion for it and what it means for your day to day practice as a dentist. Right. OK, so uh, a few different things from there. So when we talk about faith, uh, I became, you know, quite big on faith uh, at a young age when, you know, obviously I was going through all my trouble, I kind of read this I read this book called The Secret. I'm not sure if you mm -hmm. guys have heard of it. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, um, it talks about the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. So what that talks about is basically like, you know, if um, like, you know, you can visualize it and you can believe it and you say enough to yourself, you can speak everything into existence. So, you know, that was the kind of faith I had when I was younger, when I was determined I wanted to become a dentist and I knew what I wanted to do. I always just kind of practiced the secrets of success, positive thinking, and um, kept my faith in my dream, in my vision, in my, um, my vision board alive. So that's something that you need to believe if you want to succeed. You need to have that law of attraction. And uh, after when I was studying, you know, biology with psychology, it really hit home the the connection between the body and the mind and that's something that really helped drew my dental degree when i started seeing patients because you start to understand why these patients are anxious of coming into the clinic what they're really looking for what they really want is it really going to to change um and bring about the change that they they think they're going to have and i've mm. spoken to several dentists and even um plastic surgeons i'm not sure if you, have you guys heard of dr miami no i think is he quite famous the he's, the, yeah. he's based out in, in in florida miami obviously yeah yeah and, i think uh, i know he's talking he about, does, yeah yeah so he does a lot of a lot of plastic surgery and you know i was speaking on the phone to him the other day and i was like 
do you treat everybody that walks through to your door or you know how is it because he does a lot of you know uh, brazilian butt lifts and a lot of tummy tucks as well and that's kind of yeah. most of the things out here as girls you know walking in, in and out through the door with all these self self-esteem mm. issues and self-confidence issues and stuff yeah. and the same thing we have as dentists as well people want to improve their smile to get a better self-esteem to have better yeah. self-confidence they want to inject themselves you know with lip fillers with botox and all of it mm. yeah. and uh, as an ethical holistic practitioner yeah. you don't just treat this you need to treat the mind and the body as a whole because if you're just treating them with what they want then this is something that they're going to keep coming back for and keep continuously trying to change parts of their face parts of their body uh, without really tackling the deeper core issues within them and uh, i'm not a trained you know psychologist or anything like that but yeah. it's very important to use the the, the skill set you have and for me it's having a degree in biology and psychology to understand what my patients needs really are and mm. where they lie and then refer them on to the appropriate person who can treat that for them and this is where when I treat anyone I always yeah. think mind body teeth okay, it's, wow. it's not just teeth for me yeah. because you're just treating the teeth with so many people it's not going to bring about the change they want to see in their lives and uh, yeah. most of the time with patients if you can change their smile then you change yeah. so many aspects of their life but there are a few yeah. occasions where that's just not it and you need to refer them on to see the right person to really improve their lives definitely it seems as if kind of your background your journey to being a dentist kind of added this additional layer that makes you an even better dentist than someone who just kind of went to dental school straight after college and then came out of it um I feel that both in dentistry and medicine, individuals that have done things outside of the field of specialty or had certain life experiences ended up being better clinicians um, compared to their peers that may not have had those experiences or had those opportunities. So looking back, I think it may have been a blessing for you to now, not only are you a dentist, but you're giving this holistic service, and which is quite amazing to see. It's, it's also important, isn't it? So when you think about it, patients whether medical patients or dental patients uh, often they come in with I think I know what I want but I think in our fields we're specialists for a reason in that we know what is probably the underlying causes the problems and things that need to be addressed and I sort of feel like practicing holistic care is so important in dentistry and medicine um, so I think your journey has absolutely sort of allowed you to be that holistic dentist and so when you go to a dentist I think it's more like you said it's more than a smile now it's yeah. what other things are going on that the dentist mm. can actually can help, help with and I think that's absolutely amazing yeah. Quite interesting Ooh, can, can I ask a controversial yeah. question so I once was on the tube um, right and I was overhearing a sort of a conversation by I think there must have been qualified dentists or student dentists and this comes into the holistic care that you talked about that you practice is holistic care actually uh, promoted throughout dental schooling because I heard from the conversation I heard that if you wanted the agenda of let's say financial gain you could potentially trap patients into the cycle of constantly coming to see you um, and never break that um, is holistic care promoted at all? Well, you do have your psychology units in dental school, as I'm sure you probably do have in medicine as well. And mm -hmm. then, then we kind of talk about the basics of things. 
but not not to an extent where it's enough to be able to know when treating a patient how to treat them holistically i think that's something that mm. really does need to be implemented more onto the curriculum mm. i know what you're talking about when you're saying like you know these financial dentists who are up for the money yeah. it's it's easy for them to you know get everyone booked in like you know someone might just need mm. one or two more little touch up on their veneers to have a beautiful smile when mm. some dentists are like no I get 10 veneers <laughs> yeah. Smile. yeah and i know so many dentists like that i know like you know they're like oh you know what it's about selling it's, you know it's about selling you've got to be a hustler you've got to be and you know what yeah. you're in the wrong thing if you're thinking you're yeah. in dentistry to be shot in veneers and selling this and that because being yeah. a dentist is not about that yeah. it's about taking care of your patient and you know really attending to them and doing what's best for them yeah and in a few years you're gonna you're gonna see you know where the real ones shine where the good dentists are and these yeah. people who are in it for the money who are just you know trying to get as much money out of their patients they would be exposed yeah, because, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's not going wrong and uh, that that will all come out in, in good time yeah no. I, i think as patients we're even medical patients as well we're becoming a little bit more savvy in deciding where we want to go and i think um i think dentistry is a bit more uh, more of a, a shopping market in terms of uh, for example if i need to go to the dentist i will start sort of asking every friend i know what's your dentist like who's your dentist and i don't care how far far they are if they're a really good dentist i'm going to go and see that particular dentist hmm. um so absolutely i agree with that in the future i think it's going to be um the, the the guys who do the holistic care the good jobs they will always outshine the others yeah. I think you're probably the first person that I've met in terms of dentists and we went to King so it's obviously a dental school where you've approached it as this holistic care because you normally hear it a lot in medicine but rarely in dentistry so it's quite refreshing to see you are a dentist but you do it in such a very holistic way and I hope our listeners kind of see that there are dentists out there that do offer this service and isn't just you know giving you an amazing smile and at the end of it you get you, you know you 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 got a big invoice to pay for it um yeah. but yeah, yeah. kind of sure. moving on while it kind of does touch on entrepreneurship it's this clothing line tell us a bit more about the clothing line um you're a dentist you know you've got this passion about dentistry so where does this all fit in um tell us about it how you founded it where the idea came from it and this little cool thing you do with all the profits towards charity sure okay so as i've said numerous times on this podcast you know since age of 15 I always knew I wanted to become a dentist and that's something that hasn't ever changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, however at the same time being a dentist um it comes to being a doctor making sure that you're you're looking after everyone making sure the world's a better place. Uh, it comes also with being an artist as well because you're you're designing smiles, uh people who inject as well have to make sure everything's mm-hmm. in symmetry, uh designing beautiful faces, so it kind of all plays on on being an artist in some ways. Mm-hmm. So having that artistic element to me um when i was a teenager growing up as well i did a bit of modeling i worked in abercrombie um mm. i featured in gq i uh, just oh wow oh, nice <laughs> so you're like you're... that was for... <laughs> yeah um that was for featuring for this company called mr tiger uk so it was yeah. just like you know so doing uh ties and bits and bobs for uk and uh when i wanted to um carry on with that i started the blog um mm. i just started that like blogging pictures of myself doing a bit of modeling and mm. a bit of work and then a lot of people said to me yeah you should make your own clothing line you know this is dope the yeah. style is cool so yeah. i teamed up with the guy who is the owner of mr tiger at code uk 
Um, okay. He taught me how to be able to create a brand into a business uh, and into a real clothing line. And I have my other dentist, uh, I have a cousin who's a dentist also. Her name is Abby. She designed mm. my first of the collection for me. Um, and then within our first year, we did really, really well. We worked uh, with um, social media influencers across the world. Wow. So we yeah. had a product from going out from New Zealand to Australia to the US to Canada. Oh, wow. So it really picked everywhere, off. Everywhere. Wow. Yeah, you know, we had a superwoman, Lily Singh. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I remember her. She's quite famous on YouTube, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, we had her promoting our products. We had, uh, it was kind of going off everywhere and uh, it was great. And then uh, we carried on with it. Um, but we realized, obviously, with the money we make from from our clothing brand, we kind of wanted to do something and put it towards good use and yeah. align with clothing brands values so we're called adolescent junkies because we're addicted to being young and having fun yeah and we were like what can we do we could work with something with a children's charity so when i was at queen mary's we worked with yeah. great ormond street hospital charity we did work mm-hmm. with uh, bart from london asian society and we did that with them mm. so i was like you know, i want to do something different so climate reality the project they had really spoke to me because it was tackling real life events that mm. were sometimes criticized in the media that are not being real, you know, stuff Trump says. So I was like, yeah. you know what, if we, as you know, myself as a doctor wanting to make this world a better place, our mm. clothing brand staying for something. Um, I spoke with, you know, my business partner I was like, let's, let's um, put everything towards charity. And we then wow. kind of every year on, we donate our profits to the climate reality project. It's such a big decision to make, especially when, the brand is doing well and you can so easily profit from it um, to kind of be very selfless and be like, you know what? I want to be a change maker. I want to help people. I want to kind of serve humanity and we're going to give all those profits away. Um, But yeah, fair credit to you. Like, you know, you've had a very interesting journey. Um, And then when opportunities did arise, you know, you kind of done a lot of selfless acts. Um, So that is something I'm in awe about. Definitely. Any advice you would give to people kind of starting out or kind of you know having a bit difficult time you know they're not getting their first choices they're not getting into dentistry or they're not you know kind of getting up their business up and running what advice would you give because we always kind of like our guests from their experience to kind of give up to our young listeners what advice would you give to them sure um no i'll share one more one more story with you before oh I, bro I, we love stories go for it yeah so um, after I graduated as a dentist and I, mm. I came here, I did my year, and then we had lockdown happen. Yeah. And uh, when lockdown happened, I realized it's a great opportunity mm. for everyone to be able to connect because we mm. had people who were, you know, these world famous celebrities all stuck at home, not being able mm. to go about their day to day activities. And the same applied in the world of medicine and dentistry. As mm. you guys know, we have like, you know, celebrity doctors or celebrity dentists True. out there in the world yeah and yeah. they were all couldn't practice for example this is where i got my relationship with michael otherwise known as dr miami um yep. loads and loads of people Sam seller um dr bill dorfman and like you know i developed them through lockdown mm. we've developed a great relationship talking about ideas talking about projects talking about the future of medicine and dentistry yeah and uh, i really made use of my time there however um, I was speaking to someone called Dr. Bill Dorfman and he's known as America's dentist. Okay. And uh, when I got in touch with him, uh, he saw my profile and I would see, I worked with GQ and he was like, Jana, I'm working with British GQ, the same people. Um, yeah. Like, you know, let's have a call. And we spoke about it and he was telling me he was doing a, 
a photo shoot with him, which is like how to stay fit if you're over sixty. So mm. <laughs> he did this. Uh, it's quite cool. for him. Yeah. And he was like, you know, what, Jenna, why don't we, why don't we go on Instagram live? Let's do a discussion. Let's do a talk. You know, you can interview me about my life. And he was mm. his idea, and he pitched it to me. I was like, yeah, that's great. Like, you know, he's someone who's very, very famous. Treats all of these big celebrities, really yeah. known in the game as America's dentist. And uh, for him to want to treat, uh, want to come on live with me, it was a great opportunity. Like, he treats yeah, people definitely. like Oscar, Mark Wahlberg, like all of these wow. big names. The, yeah. So uh, I. I put an advert out on my Instagram mm. uh, saying, go live with Dr. Bill Dorfman. You mm. know, you guys make sure you tune in. And mm. then put it out and for about a week, uh, he contacted me and he was yeah. like, Jana, you know, ever since you put that advert out, I've been getting quite a few messages about you. And I was just yeah. like, what do you mean? And he sent them to me and it was people talking about my past, things mm. that I did way before I got into dentistry, way oh, before wow. when, I was, yeah. when I was a teenager saying don't go yeah. on live with him he's going to ruin your oh. reputation he's a, he's, a, he's, a, you know, he's a bad guy he did yeah. this that and other and it hurt me because i saw the names who were sending it and they were well established way richer than i was way better than i was and i was yeah. like you guys are, are way up there i'm i'm just a kid still trying to make it i'm still on my hustle why yeah why would you put you down ruin, put me down like that you know and dr bill is amazing he was like, yo ignore it i just want to let you know that this was happening um, yeah, you know, but let's carry on. And we soldiered on, and we, you know, we did the live, and it was great. But they, I realized from it, no matter how successful you are, and how you know how well you do in life, there's always going to be people that's going to be talking some kind of rubbish, trying to hate you. You know, yeah, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, you know, you know, on uh, so the week before we had a surgeon who came on, and he talked about sort of the collaborative atmosphere that we need. We need to have a an atmosphere where we sort of help each other up not sort of put each other down and just because of whether it's whether it's hatred whether it's jealousy we don't know what it is um, but it's really hurtful to see that and we've, we've had our fair share as well in this in this sort of in this sort of game where we've seen that as well um so absolutely can relate man absolutely can relate yeah and i think some advice for all of our listeners listening yeah. in if you have people in your life that are going to tell you you can't do something or you can't mm. become the person you want to be because the things you've done in the past or the person that you mm. used to be, yeah. just, you know, you just got to be able to go and tell them, you know, thank you so much for, for your concern, like, you know, that you appreciate mm. it, but you got to let them know that you don't live in the past no more and that you're trying to live in the present and focus on the future and achieve who you're trying to be and become. And now mm. I'm not at all saying that we should ignore our mistakes, or pretend that they never happened. But if we mm. use those mistakes and fuel them to empower us to become that person that we want to be, then that's mm. what it's all about. Because we all make mistakes, exactly. we're all human. But if we try and correct them and become someone that we aspire to be like, that's what it's all about. And I don't think we should let anyone with mm. a narrow mind or narrow vision stop anyone from becoming or determining how big or how huge their visions and dreams that they have for themselves becoming true. Mm. Definitely agree, Absolutely. and I think you put it perfectly. Our our past shouldn't dictate our future. It shouldn't dictate of how people perceive us. Um, it's a shame it happens, especially in this day and age in society. And it's quite sad to hear people who are kind of trying to smear your name and kind of put you off from doing something amazing. But credit to you, Jana. You kind of stuck with it. You you were consistent and you kept your head down and you done it. And today is a testament to both you and your family of how much you've achieved, how successful you are. And we know you're only going to go and achieve even more 
in the future. Um, we, you know, we're, we're running out of time and we want to thank you for taking the time out to come and speak to us. How do people get hold of you? I'm sure there'll be a lot of dentists out there or young dentists that may be able to relate to your story and need a bit of a guiding hand, need some help. How do they get in touch with you, Jana? Of course. Well, firstly, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. I'm, I'm truly humbled. I listened no. to your podcast on many occasions. It's beautiful. The work you're doing is great. Keep <laughs> thank it up. And uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, um, the best way to do so is probably my Instagram. It's at uh, Denzel. And, uh, you know, I have loads of students messaging me, asking mm. me for advice. So, you know, feel free, just pop me a DM. I'm always open to reply and have a discussion with you and help you out where I can. No, sounds great. Um, I think now is a very nice time to wrap it up. It's been a pleasure to kind of speak to you, Jana, and know, you know, know your story. Um, and we're glad you shared it with us so we can share with other people. Hopefully it inspires people to kind of follow their dreams, follow their passions, and regardless of what people say or people holding them back, they can go out and achieve if they work hard with it. And I think the beauty about you is you you embody second chances. You are um, the, the spokesperson of, of having a second chance and kind of making the most of it. So, of course, of course. And I think, you know, constant repetition carries conviction. And if you've got a dream, don't let a single person talk you out of it. No, definitely. Thank you once again, Jana. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in week in and week out. We will see you next week. In the meantime, everyone look after yourself and keep following your dreams and passions.